Hey guys, Amir Ryder. I'm here with the Cloud9 podcast, uh, focusing on a new series all about the customers. And I'm talking with Mary Poppin, Chief Customer Officer at Glint. Mary, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Amir. Happy to be here. Yeah, and it's exciting because I, I, you know, I think uh, for, for most of those that don't know, Glint was an acquisition by LinkedIn, right? Yes, we are part of the LinkedIn family now. It's been an exciting what? ride. Part of the LinkedIn family. I guess before we start this, I, I you know I'd love for our, our our listeners to kind of know one interesting fact about you um, that they might not know. Oh gosh, um, this is what we usually describe as something that's not in your LinkedIn profile. Um, so something uh, something about me that gives that that tells I think what I like to do um, and what I used to do that's not on my profile. I'm a certified spinning instructor. Um, so I love to get people locked in a room <laughs> and tell them, you know, how fast to bike and, uh, how, you know, hard of a, a hill to climb. Um, so I air love that. On or air conditioning off? What's your strategy? Say that again. Air conditioning on or off in the, in the spinning. Oh, room? off. Off. There you go. You like to make people sweat. For sure. I like yeah. That. So yeah. But if you don't sweat, then you really haven't, you know. You haven't done your job. It's, it's about the 30 minute mark that I start, I start going and I'm like trying to leave early. Um, <laughs> you would be focused on me as a, the runner who tries to leave 10 minutes before the class is over. But um, I'd so, be calling you out. Yeah, 100%. I'll take it though. So Glint. So I think one of the things that's interesting for those that don't know um, what Glint's all about, I know from a high level that it's, it's in the business of employee engagement and also customer engagement. So I think this is a really awesome conversation because you are the, you know, the, the chief customer officer of a technology that actually focuses on employees and customers. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So we actually are focused mainly on the employee side um, of the world, but obviously impact our customers and their productivity from their employee engagement um, and their employee experience. So we, we essentially started out with employee engagement as our bread and butter, but we've grown it to the full employee experience from onboarding to, and you know, unfortunately, um, or fortunately sometimes when employees exit, as well as, you know, manager effectiveness and um, what happens when people get promoted to their engagement. So we're able to tie all of that information and insights that then managers and leaders can take action on to move the organization forward. We started as a best of breed product with engagement and then said, hey, you know, we have this customer base. The employee has much more than just the engagement. They have a full life cycle. They're onboarding their exit process. Um, did that change come after the acquisition was bought and that was pushed by LinkedIn or is that something that you guys had brewing before? Yeah, that's something we that's something we built prior to the acquisition. One of the things we were in the process of building at the time of the acquisition was um, the additional components of like uh, conversations, continuous conversations and feedback, 360s. So the ability now to broaden your view of the employee experience by bringing in others, um, taking collaborative action, those kinds of things. So we had been in the design process of that. And now along with LinkedIn, we're able to start to accelerate that innovation. It's amazing. That's awesome. And then you have to obviously have really good insights on the LinkedIn side. Um, they have oh, yeah. 22,000 employees, right? So some good data there. Um, to learn. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is actually really interesting. I think you know for us too, like we're a people company, right? And our people do affect our clients and customer success, right? And I think people forget to talk about that. It's like the monkey in the room, where it's like, if your employees aren't happy, how do you really expect your customers to be happy, right? Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah actually. Yeah. I, I actually, I, I, I get really passionate about this because I talk about it a lot, which is the intersection or the linkage between employee engagement and customer engagement or customer sat. So you like have a, a quad, you know, quadrants um, and you have a four box, like where do people fall, right? With the continuum being the employee experience and engagement and then the customer on the other axis and the top right quadrant is this is like the all in zone, right? Where everybody wants to be because your customers are excited and your employees are excited. And I mean, it's a love fest. Everybody yeah. loves everybody. Everybody's successful. And then of course the bottom left is that risk zone where it's a company nobody wants to work with. The employees are not happy. The churn is high of, of your you know, employees um, and your customers. So dare I say, it's kind of like the companies that make it in the bottom quadrant are the ones that have to exist. And um, the DMV could be one of those as a, just an example. Um, but yeah, so there's for sure a, a linkage there. Oh no, a thousand percent. I'm like, I see it every single day. I'm like, we, we see the accounts for us that grow our employees that are happy and love the culture and love family. The ones that don't are the ones that they're already out the door the day they're in the door and you don't even realize that. Right. Exactly. Um, those are the ones that can put you in that bottom quadrant even further because now it's a positive feedback loop of negativity versus a positive positive feedback loop of positivity, right? Especially where there's both review sites for customers and there's review sites for employees, right? right. right. Those comparably, or they'll go to a glass store and your customers will go to a Gucci crowd or a clutch. Exactly. Um, it's really interesting because I think your so your software, so you get to, you know, obviously manage um, your customers and a happy customer for you is obviously somebody that is getting the most information out of your suite of products, right? And they're seeing that they want a result, right? They want to say, hey, I made an investment. I immediately want insights into my employees. Um, are you finding that companies have already that right culture to think about this correctly? Or is it a technology first play and then, a, then the, oh my God, I need somebody to actually cheerlead culture and make sure that these things are good. Do you, what are you finding out there? Are people prepared? Um, <laughs> are they prepared to see the truth? Yeah, I mean, it's such a great question. I think in some cases, yes, right? And in other cases, I think they think they are right? Or a portion of the leadership is bought in and is ready to see the results and another portion maybe isn't. And so um, in some cases you have the insights and that's great, but then what, right? And the companies that are afraid to share the employee voice and take action, you know, are the ones that continue to spiral into low productivity and high attrition because now they've listened to their employees and they've made it worse because they haven't taken any action from it right so it's almost better not to ask people for feedback if you're not going to do anything with it um so we do we do get in some of those situations with customers i would say once they have the insights though and are able to know kind of how to take action um and we've got guides for that too right like what do you do step one step two um it helps people really sort of embrace you know, communicating it and taking action. And then once they see that their people are starting to get engaged by change, yeah, it, the spiral continues where, you know, people want to give feedback, it's used, and then it's just... That know. positive feedback loop. Yeah. Um, and, but it's not, obviously, they're making the investment in technology. They, they, they either came to you guys and saw an area of opportunity or you guys did a really good job of educating them um, on, the, on the issues that they have. 
Um, like this hits home for me, right? Because as a, a leader of organization, I, I have two roles, right? I'm, I'm, I'm almost pushing forward and innovating, building strategy and technology. Uh, and then I have to hear the voice of my teams. I have in the past been guilty of sending out a survey to my employees, getting all these answers and didn't take the chance to respond. Um, and I found out the hard way that that's worse than actually asking their opinion. Um, right. This is interesting. So your suite of products, it typically will integrate with like a Bamboo HR, I'm guessing, or like a um, ultimate software? Yeah, I mean, we're agnostic. That's part of the beauty of it all, right? Um, in the space we're in is we can take data from any HRIS system. If, if all you've got is 200 people in an Excel file, you know, we can take that data in. It's secure um, and it's all, you know, um, it's not anonymous, but it's attributed, right? And so we're able to match the data to the management hierarchy and be able to identify, you know, trends and changes in the data for that particular manager or leader. They never see any of the specific, you know, raw data or anything that would be uh, telling of who said what because you have thresholds that you have to meet. Um, and you get the data real time. Unlike old days of employee engagement surveys where it would take, you know, eight months to get your big binder of <laughs> of insights. And by then all the people that were unhappy had left anyway, and all the issues that were identified, you know, there's new stuff. Um, so we've, we've kind of revolutionized that with the technology, but couple that with uh, our people, science, people scientists um, mm -hmm. that we have on staff who are you know, experts in the field are really feeding all the insights and information into the product build. So is the kind product of a, able to like identify like major red flags and kind of attention right away? Is it able to prioritize anything? Yeah, so um, it's a great question. Our our system is running in the background. Like the AI is constantly looking for information and and unique differences in the data. So like it will identify that needle in a haystack that would take you months to find. So if you have a hundred thousand employees, just as an example, right? How do you know that it's the female engineers in Singapore, for example, who are the ones who are really unhappy or having a really bad onboarding experience. Mm -hmm. Our system will uncover that real time as an alert to say, here's a population that you should look at because their engagement scores are, you know, 20 below the benchmark or something like that. Um, and it will do that with just hundreds or thousands of data points. And you can kind of set how much or how little, you know, you want to see of the alerts and it will prioritize the highest or the biggest changes. So it really points leaders to what's the, what's the top action that you can take to make a change, right? Or to make a difference. Because it's not always that the highest that people are unhappy with. They may be unhappy with, you know, their compensation. And you're only going to be able to address that in certain ways like once a year, right? So should you spend all your time addressing people are unhappy with comp? or manager effectiveness, right? Yeah. Maybe roll out some new manager effectiveness training and things like that to boost, boost the impact and boost the engagement. So it kind of also helps you point to not only where the scores are lower, but what's gonna have the highest impact or return. Yeah, you got my head spinning. I need to hire a lot of people. In some technology. <laughs> um, we crossed 200 employees, so all this stuff is, is, is hitting home. Um, because it, it's, we'll got you there, we'll get, you know, we'll got you here, we'll get you there type of thing. And then and you right. need to an organization, you need to all of a sudden take a real deep look inside what you guys are doing. Now, as a chief customer officer, are you in charge of your customer success team and the customer support team? Is that divided out? How does that work in your organization? 
Yeah, I'm responsible for the end-to-end customer journey post-sale. So I have all of the team's um, implementation, customer success, our support team. We have what's called customer empowerment, which is responsible for our customer training and our community. And then I have an operations part of my team as well. So that sort of makes up the the whole end-to-end journey process. That's a big team, right? I think it's easy today. It's easy to buy software, right? Easier to cancel, right? So I think there's a big a, a big emphasis, right, on the customer, which is why we're having this whole podcast series. Um, yeah. Are you seeing that that change right now is also giving your department um, insights into a forecast? Are you part of the revenue planning of a company, like where? you know, hey, we're, we're going to grow our existing customer base by 50%. Um, is that, are you now part of that conversation as well? Yeah, it's a great question. So the renewal number and the upsell number is, is essentially shared. Um, while the actual booking number falls under sales, my team is um, bonused and incented on the, the, both the gross and the net retention um, of the revenue. And that's a quarterly number. Mm-hmm. Um, that we drive towards. So my team is really responsible for uncovering those additional opportunities, but also running the value plays that keep the customer engaged. So we pull in our you know, renewal friends um, yeah. at the right time and make sure they're connected with the right information to drive that, you know, drive that revenue. You're driving upsells with support and success, right? I'm like, exactly. What could be a problem as an opportunity, right? Um, and then what does an opportunity could say, hey, there's a problem, you might not be using this correctly, right? So I think you have to be quick to, you have to be quick to be a very honest, I would think, in, in your role where you have to, even a happy customer who might not be using the module, you have to be like, hey, well, I know you're happy, but I think that if you took a little bit of time training here, you can get some more, um, you know, benefits in the product. And that takes, takes a different skill set. Are you finding that some of your team that does well tends to be more on the sell side of customer success or support? Are you finding that a certain profile that matches well? Are, um, are they both equally as well? Like where, what are your top performers look like, you know? Yeah, it, it's a great question. Um, and this, by the way, is the million dollar question. So I have, um, I've built teams that do both. They have, they wear both hats. They're responsible for the adoption and the renewal. And then I've also built teams that are, separate. So you have a renewal team and you've got customer um, success managers driving the value and adoption. What I will say, I am a huge proponent of the latter. Um, This is actually what I built at Glint as well, because you hire the people that are driven simply by the the consultation and the relationship with the customer and seeing the value um, outcomes come to life versus having those commercial conversations. So what happens when someone who is really driven by just the relationship, they want to check the box and get the renewal off their plate. So they will renew at the same price, maybe even discount, just anything to get it over with. Whereas a renewal team who cares about the relationship, but is much more focused on the commercial terms and well-versed in commercial conversation, will talk about the subscription lift and the expansion opportunity of additional products, right? They'll spend the time to do that. Whereas the people that just want to get back to the normal day-to-day, you know, mm-hmm. relationship and, and uh, value of the product, you know, tend to leave stuff on the table. So that's what I found is it's, it's better to have the team separated and collaborating and have shared goals. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's where they specialize, right? And they have, they lean towards a natural side. That makes a, it makes a ton of sense. How big is the success team uh, today and, and the support team? 
So um, my full organization is about 125. Mm-hmm. Um, our entire organization on the Glint side is, is close to 600. Um, so we're a, we're a really big part of the organization. We've got a lot of support and investment in basically putting the customer at the center. Amazing. And are you, are you reaching out to customers, uh, some of your big customers directly? Are you, are you having conversations with them? Um, again, direct feedback, or is that kind of done through your generals? Yeah, so it's a great question. We've got, we've got a whole bunch of avenues to, to gather uh, voice of the customer. So we do send out MPS surveys. Um, we send out customer stat surveys with milestones of the customer journey. We do send out satisfaction after every support case. So we you know, roll all of that data into insights. But we also have executive sponsor program in exec sponsor programs. So we reach out and have responsibility for certain customers. And there's a expectation of, you know, number of times that you reach out and like type a conversation mm-hmm. so that we're able to engage at the executive level and keep them engaged because the decision maker obviously is um, key to that. And then we've got something we call Glit Partnership Reviews, which is like a QBR, it just may or may not be quarterly, yeah. but the CSMs actually drive those conversations and it's beyond kind of the, what have we done and where are we going? But it's really about the linkage to the business and the business outcomes and the strategy of the decision maker. And those are invaluable, you know, ways to get information, but also to kind of gauge the health of the customer and figure out, okay, what do, what do we need to do more of or less of, you know, or start doing Makes sense. Now, in your mind, where does automation um, have a role in, in customer success and support? Are, are you uh, a proponent of we want to automate some functions or we want to keep this very much human or a combination of both? And, that, and how does that look on your roadmap? So, you know what I would have experienced is like early on in your company as you're building it, it's a lot of friends and family and sort of just getting people on board to use the product. And it's this white glove service end to end. And you want to keep that going because the the relationship and the results are so amazing. And you reach a point where you go, hmm, we can't hire the number of people that we need now to continue this model, you know, at this scale. Um, And kind of that realization, I see it a lot as you get maybe to 70 or between 70 and 100 million, mm-hmm. um, where one person wearing all the hats just doesn't really work anymore. <laughs> and then you start to think, okay, how, how can we give them this experience, but do it in a way that we don't have to spend 10 hours on phone calls with them, right? So it's, it sort of comes almost by necessity, but if you can get ahead of it and you can say, map out your customer journey, and then figure out which pieces are the ones where the live interaction really drives the best success or the most engagement. Yep. And then sort of back into the communications or the, or the automated like how to's um, to push to the customer. Right. So how, how can you do the blended approach? I agree. Uh, you know, don't, don't do the password resets and spend the time having yeah. conversations, right. Without removing human. Um, and this will, Quite a few companies that are starting to do that really well that I've seen that, that are you guys using, if you don't mind me asking, technology ways, uh, what are you guys using for support tickets? Is it is it uh Zendesk service or uh service sort of source? Yeah, or one of the big guys or <laughs> yeah, no. So we uh it's all internal for us. Um we do use Zendesk for support tickets, we use Gainsight for customer success, yeah. and then our renewals team and our sales team use Salesforce. So there's an integration 
um, and a linkage between the, the systems to kind of tell the whole customer story. But our CSMs are kind of living in gain sight to be able to track the usage health um, activities. And then we're able to report on that. And I actually have saved a ton of time in our exec meetings because I don't have to do like an update every week anymore. They get a report and all I have to do is sort of comment on the trends. And it's just been an incredible change to have it at your fingertips, you know. The gain sight has helped you do a better job at, as, as a, a customer officer. Yeah, for sure. Um, we use spreadsheet when I first started. You know, we use spreadsheet. It was like a Google sheet um, <laughs> to yeah. keep all the customers in the health. And at some point, again, the scale you gotta you gotta get to kind of something that's gonna. No, hundred percent. That's why this is a great conversation for our listeners because, you know, like I said before, you know, you you guys have built a product, gone to the market, had product market fit, had an acquisition from you know a leader uh, to fuel that growth, and, and you've seen the transformation. I think from five million to hundred million. Um, right. which is amazing, uh, which like I said before, before we spoke, you can talk about customers forever, right? Uh, I, yeah, all day. Which is, which makes a lot of sense, right? Uh, but I, I would hope, I would hope that. Um, question for you, what is a big difference you've seen now, you know, with what's going on in the world? Um, have you seen even more of a shift becoming empathetic to employees? Like, are you, are you seeing the need for wellness checks. Um, how's your team doing with uh, remote? I'm sure you're getting a lot of data from your, a lot of customers that might be private or you don't name specifics, but are you seeing any trends right now that you think are here to stay? It's really interesting, Amir, because I think the biggest thing that I've heard and seen is manager effectiveness scores have increased in um, surveys that have been launched since all of this started in the last couple of months. And um, our customers are, are telling stories about how their managers, because they're remote now, it almost has driven an, an additional level of engagement because you can't just walk over to someone's you know, desk or um, expect to see them in the morning and ask them a question as they sort of walk by. But it's kind of created this formal you know, reach out and additional cadence, I guess, of mm-hmm. interaction. Um, so it's been, I think that's been really interesting. And we've had... Uh, well, we've been trying to be really agile. So we've created new um, survey items and things that our customers can leverage to, during this time to get specifics on what are employees going through. So instead of just the, are you happy at work right now? Are we communicating well? There's a lot more like, what's your well-being like? What's your work-life balance like? What do you need, right? How about technology? So we've sort of created some best practices or templates that customers could just launch quickly and we've seen about a third of our customer base either switch from their typical employee listening program or add an additional um, survey at this time to see what's going on. Well, so it's been pretty cool shift. Some of the leadership and understanding, right? It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I know our team has been doing a lot of time doing wellness checks and making sure people, you know, some of our employees that weren't remote, like we've been sending you know, chairs and, and, and different, you know, different situations, different seats, you know, to make them comfortable. And we also, some, you know, some people are working from home and they're under a lot of different stress right now. Their kids are at home as well. They have to make dinner clean and be a mom and be an executive at the same time. So the whole different world. And I guess listening, you know, listening to employees this time is actually going to better prepare us for the, the future world, um, especially working remote, which is awesome. Um, anything else to add that you've seen as like a major, um, a major change in the market, or you're still kind of seeing that play out like we all are? Well, 
I think it's interesting. People have, it's more acceptable now when your child walks in, you know, to a meeting or people are wearing pajama pants. Yeah. <laughs> it almost becomes, like, hey, what are you wearing? You know, like um, uh, in happy hours and stuff, right? Remote. And I think what's interesting too, for me personally, like I've had the technology at my fingertips to do Zoom meetings for a long time, right? Video conference meetings. And it's like all of a sudden it prompted family meetings, like with my mom or my brother. And it, it's just bizarre, right? Because it's like, you could, you could have been doing that for the last couple of years, but now everybody is trying to be creative and, you know, get together in ways that they hadn't thought of. And so that's been a kind of a neat change. Yeah. Likewise, I had a Zoom meeting with my high school friends, which was interesting. Um, and everyone was just trying to talk over each other. So it didn't really work, <laughs> but they're, they're practicing. Yeah. Um, but let's like, you know, from customer success and, and um, employees first, who are your role models in the industry that other people should probably listen to and follow? And who, who, who's out there really having a voice, um, you know, for, for, you know, people in, you know, your specific discipline? Is there anybody like any, anyone in particular that you follow or that you admire? Yeah, actually there, I mean, there's, there's several people, right. But um, no surprise. There's a couple of really key people in LinkedIn, um, Jeff Wiener, CEO, um, and Dan Shapiro, who's our chief business officer, um, so compassionate, so empathetic, so people first, right? Um, and it's incredible to listen to them talk, like seeing Jeff on, you know, the the um, national news talking about um, bullying in schools and, mm -hmm. and our ability to kind of help with that, right? Um, economic um, opportunity for everyone in the global workforce, like that kind of stuff is really passionate. And then you layer on what our co-founders built, Gotham Curra and, and Jim Burnett, which is all about employees and people first um, and understanding what's going on with them so you can help make their lives better, right? Because Glenn's mission is to help pe uh, people be happier and more successful at work. Mm -hmm. And when you marry that, like with LinkedIn's mission, it, it's a pretty... Yeah, you know, it's a pretty inspiring thing to be a part of. In terms of like the customer industry, um, two people that I adore um, and would definitely recommend people follow, Nick Maida, who's the CEO of Gainsight, um, and Jean Bliss, who used to be uh, Chief Customer Officer at Land's End, and she has her own consulting organization now, but really, really phenomenal people. I'm going to have to ask you to email these people after so I can, I can follow them. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, that's great. And I, and I think, you know, one of the points of having this podcast is, is to kind of put the customers first and really talk to leaders like yourself that, you know, are, are driven by great customers' experiences. I think things are going to change, right? And I think um, sales is now and support are going to kind of morph into the customer experience, right? And the employee and customer is going to depend. And, and you're in a great spot with Lynn because your product is, you know, more towards the employee, like you said, but it's also super connected. Right. Um, maybe it's yeah. a next module, right? Reaching out to customers as, as the product expands. But this has been amazing. And I really appreciate you taking the time um, to join us in this podcast. If any other, um, you know, inspiring uh, people, officers, and, and just people in our niche are looking for advice um, and want to connect with you, where can they find you? And how can, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? LinkedIn, baby. <laughs> Yeah. 
Um, I, I would say LinkedIn is a great way to find me and, re and reach out. It's just Mary Poppin. Um, if you do a search on LinkedIn, uh, and I am on Twitter, Mary underscore, underscore, underscore Poppin. Um, but LinkedIn is probably the best way and I'm pretty responsive and I'm on LinkedIn every day. So you guys have heard it from Mary, Mary first, you, you can reach out to her on LinkedIn. I think I connected with her on an email, but if she didn't respond, it probably would be LinkedIn after that. <laughs> but uh, no, Mary, thank you for taking the time. And I, uh, I'm, I'm happy to have you as a guest on the uh, Cloud9 podcast. Um, Thanks for having me, Amir. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye -bye.